today I want to revisit a sermon that I preached almost three years ago to the date, actually. Now, most of you are new here uh, as I look around, so it's going to be new to you, but some that have been here a little longer, it will be just a, a refresher for you. I mean, because when I think about it, a lot can happen in a month, much less three years. I mean, when I originally preached this message, it was before COVID. It's like everyone says, pre-COVID, post-COVID. COVID changed things in our daily lives. There's some routines that were interrupted. New things have, you know, come into play. And so a lot can happen in three years. So the title of my sermon, for those of you that have heard it before, you, you can now rest assured one thing has been changed, actually more than one thing. But the title is now Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now, that's fresh in our minds because just this past Thursday we celebrated Thanksgiving. But what's interesting to me is we're called to live a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. It's not just a holiday, it's not just one time of year, but it's a lifestyle that we're called to give, and that's Thanksgiving unto God. So the title of this message is Thanksgiving, and it's just a topic that the Lord just kept leading me back to. I would uh, think of other ideas. I would revisit some notes, you know, he had given me over the, the course of the year. And I would just look at it and, you know, I would start to work on, you know, a different topic or different subject. And he just kept bringing me back to this. And so God is always giving you what you need and not really what you want. Like what we want isn't always what we need and the vice versa. So God is always an on-time God. And I know that when I first put this sermon together, that it was the Lord because he had given me the, the topic um, of speaking on Thanksgiving. I've noticed that when you speak on a subject or you're going to bring a message forward, there's always this testing phase that comes to see if you're actually living what you preach. If that doesn't happen to you, it happens to me. Uh, And if you begin to teach and preach, get ready. You will be tested in the very areas that you preach. And so um, when I was originally putting this message together, I knew that I was going to talk on, you know, giving thanks and thanksgiving, what we're called to do. And right after I started, uh, you know, preparing for the message, I was leasing a home that I was going under some unexpected renovations. Uh, the landlord told me there were some foundation issues. They called in a repair company, a foundation repair company. They come in. No one tells me, hey, this is going to destroy the house. And uh, full confession, I'm a clean fanatic. So compared to most people, I'm kind of fanatic. Some people have other words they use for it. But hey, I like things to be clean. That's just, that's just who I am. No one told me you know, that they were going to come in and they were going to actually dig inside the home eight holes which, you know, drew through concrete, tearing up the floor. No one told me I had to move furniture. So to say that it was a mess was an understatement. And so I had to move out of the house, and it took about three weeks for all these repairs to get done. But then that took multiple times of cleaning. Because once you clean one time and then someone says, oh, we have to come back and do another thing, you have to clean the whole house again. And so then all the furniture was moved into the room, and I actually moved back in with my parents, Pastor Easy and Lena, for a couple weeks. I seemed to return whenever I um, I met a a place where I I needed somewhere to live or to stay a short time. They're always welcoming, so I found myself back at mother and father's house. (laughs) Needless to say, when I was putting this together, I knew that, you know, I was going to have to preach it. And I remember driving at the same time, I think I was in a loaner car because the car that I was having some major repairs, which is just the the life I live because I drive an Audi. So it's just just how it is. So um, I was, the car was in the shop, I think it was in a loaner car, and I remember pulling away, and I knew that I was going to have to preach the sermon like in the next week or two, and I remember just saying to the Lord, Lord, I just don't feel like doing this sermon. I don't, I don't, I don't feel thankful, I don't have much gratitude in my heart, and he goes, well, it's not about how you feel, Alan, it's about what we're called to do. And so we're going to talk about Thanksgiving today. So Merriam-Webster defines Thanksgiving as this, a Thanksgiving day. A public acknowledgement or celebration of divine goodness, the act of giving thanks, and number three, a prayer expressing gratitude. 
See, especially during the holidays, it's easy to talk about it and to remember to be thankful, you know, maybe one or two days out of the year. But what about all the other days? See, shouldn't we be just as thankful the other 362 days of the year, or 360 days of the year, not just one day? See, being thankful is, isn't just what we feel like. See, we don't feel thankful. We put on the attitude of gratitude. See, being thankful isn't a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an attitude or a position that we choose to put on. See, in fact, one must put on the practice of gratitude. We're called to be a people who are thankful. And I would argue that we need to be even more thankful in the times we don't feel it than when we do feel it. Having an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude has a way of changing you in the midst of the circumstance. And oftentimes when we change our attitude, it impacts the circumstances rather than the circumstance impacting us. The question is, how do I know if I've cultivated thankfulness in my life? The answer is, when I can do it with ease at the hardest of times. So we know what Merriam-Webster says about Thanksgiving, but let's see what Scripture says about Thanksgiving. And I'm just going to basically go over one Scripture today. So if you can handle a little bit of Bible today, one Scripture, we're going to do it, all right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, I'm reading it out of the NASB. Uh, it may not be exactly matching because my, I found out my version of NASB doesn't always match the computer's version, so it'll be close enough. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you've ever wondered, what is God's will for me? Scripture puts it plainly. Now there's other times where it says this is God's will for you, but it's not as many as you think. But this is God's will for you, that you rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. So let's look at rejoice always. I mean, is he serious? When I'm having car trouble, I'm supposed to rejoice in the car trouble? When your house is torn upside down, when, like when a hurricane hits, I'm supposed to rejoice always? Is, it, is he serious? Is this a joke? I mean, has he seen my month? Has he seen my week? My month or even my year, a little friend's plug, to, oh, okay, never mind. See, what we say is, I don't think you've seen what I've been going through, Lord. You've not seen what I've had to deal with. You, have you seen my family when I spend Thanksgiving with them? You mean I have to be thankful for even that one? You don't know who I work with. You, haven't, you don't know my kids. You haven't met my spouse. Can I get an amen? See, you don't know, God, what I've been going through. And yet you want me to rejoice always? Yes. See, we declare, you can't be serious. And he says, I'm serious. The meaning of rejoice in the original Greek language for the, the scripture up there, it's defined by three things. To be full of cheer, calmly happy, well off. So what does full of cheer mean? Well, the word full according to the, the dictionary, says this, abounding, saturated, having within its limits all it can hold. I'll just let you decide if you're full of cheer or not. Abounding, saturated, having within its limits all it can hold. The word cheer means to salute or greet with shouts of joys or cheers. 
To cheer dispels gloom, sorrow, silence, or apathy. To cause to rejoice, to gladden, to make cheerful. And this, to infuse life, spirit, innovation, to incite, to encourage. See, so when you make the choice to rejoice, when you make the choice to open your mouth and praise Him in thankfulness, you aren't just making a noise, you are actively pushing back and dispelling the spiritual darkness. Our weapon is our warfare. It's not just a tagline. Your weapon is your warfare. See, your thankfulness dispels darkness. Your thankfulness dispels gloom, sorrow, silence, apathy. Your mouth, when you choose to open your mouth and thank him for all things, pushes back the enemy's tactics to bring you down. Our praise, filled with thanksgiving, infuses life to us. Because he infuses life to us when we give him glory. That is full of cheer. No matter what you're facing, what you're going through, we are told to rejoice always. Now, do we rejoice in the circumstance? Is God saying, be, be thankful you, you had to put your car in the shop. Be thankful you're going through this very tough time. Absolutely not. It just means no matter what we face, no matter the hardships we may be in, we may go through, we are called to rejoice in Him, not in the circumstance. We get it twisted and we begin to become miserable in the circumstance when really if we would just acknowledge him in our lives and we would begin to thank him, our circumstance wouldn't seem as bad as it once appeared. It will shift your perspective. See, rejoice always is to continually be aware and to delight in God's grace. I can delight in God's grace. I can't delight in God's grace if I'm not aware of his grace over me. If I'm not aware of his grace over me, in me, or through me, I can't delight in it. I can't delight in pecan pie if I'm not aware of it. See, I delight in it. Yes, I do, Lord. Because I've tasted its goodness, and because I've tasted its goodness, I can delight in it. Now, you can insert whatever dessert you like, but not pumpkin pie. Nobody likes that stuff. I'm just kidding. So we delight in him, not in the circumstance. Rejoice is to be full of gladness. It's an overflowing, it's an outflowing of an internal change. I think it's time for some of us in this room to rejoice. I don't think you heard me. I think it's time for some people in this room to rejoice because you need to dispel some darkness that you got around you. You need to dispel some sorrow. You need to dispel some apathy. I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying come up another level. And one way to dispel the enemy's plan for you to bring you down, keep you walking in heaviness, is to be thankful in all seasons and to declare and rejoice always. Because if I'm rejoicing always, I don't have time to complain. If my mouth is speaking rejoicing, how can my mouth declare ignorance? How can my mouth declare sorrow? How can my, my mouth declare pain? How can my mouth declare what God is not doing? How can we declare what is not right when our mouth is continually filled with praise? Someone needs to praise in this place. Someone needs to rejoice in the Lord. I'm telling you, your breakthrough is in the praise. Every time during worship we hit a praise point, I'm just not on some jag. The, the Spirit of the Lord is saying, if you will praise me, heaviness will break. If you will praise me, a pattern in your life will break. So someone needs to rejoice in the Lord in this place. And it can't just be four people. We've got to rejoice in the Lord. 
That's right, I'm right. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. Look at that closely. Rejoice in the Lord always. In the Lord. Does it say rejoice in our circumstances? Or rejoice in things? Rejoice that I have a car. Rejoice that I have a house. Rejoice that I have clothes. Rejoice in those things. No, rejoice in Him, and all these things shall be added unto you. But we rejoice in the things He's given us rather than the one who has given us all things. We often want the thing that the hand blessed rather than the, the hand that blesses. We want the stuff, the things. Just make me feel better. God is saying, open your mouth and all those things will be added unto you. See, it clearly states, rejoice in the Lord always. Not sometimes. Not just when I'm feeling like it. Not just when I'm having a good day. Not when things are going great, but always rejoice in the Lord. And when we rejoice in the Lord, our attention is focused on Him. Who He is. And who we are in Christ Jesus. He then receives all the glory. See, I don't rejoice in sickness or tragedy. I don't rejoice in pain or I don't rejoice in suffering. I don't rejoice in my failures. I don't re rejoice when I make a mistake. I just rejoice that he is with me and will see me through that season. See, I will rejoice because he will bring me through because the word declares he is with me. But we forget. We think it's all up to us i got to do this. I've got to do that. I'm responsible for this. I'm responsible for that. See, first what we need is drop to our knees and say, Lord, you know what's going on in my life, but I acknowledge that you are good and your grace is sufficient. See, rejoice in him. I rejoice in him that he is good. He takes care of me. He will supply all my needs according to what? His riches in glory. And guess what? God ain't broke. How's that for proper grammar? He ain't broke. So rejoice in the Lord. Let's look at pray continually. When I looked this up, what it meant in the Greek, I couldn't believe it. I was just dumbfounded. I was just, I was blown away. I wanted to know what the Greek meant when it, the words English translation, pray continually. And this is what it means. Pray continually. Pray continually. I mean, sometimes when you dig in deep, you find out deep is there. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Pray without interruption. Now, does that mean I'm praying 24-7, if you would like to? It just means we develop a lifestyle of prayer. We don't let too long of a period pass by when we're not praying. Pray continually. So first, we rejoice always. Secondly, we pray continually. And then, we give thanks in all circumstances. Now, the root word there, where thankful comes from in the Greek, has a meaning of this, acknowledging God's grace works well. It literally means thankful for God's good grace. So to be thankful means we acknowledge His grace is operating in my life and in others' lives. See, it's acknowledging the grace that is sufficient. 1 Corinthians 1.4 says this, I give thanks to my God always. For you, because, he's speaking to the people, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Here's my point. We need to recognize Christ and other people and not just ourselves. See, when we, when we thank people, when we're gracious to people, it actually draws people to you because you are thankful for them. See, you're acknowledging Jesus in other people. 
See, what's interesting to me is the way that the Scripture divides this. They make it as three separate clauses. The word, the sentence, a period, the word, so they separate them. But what's interesting to me is if you take a, a, a closer look, if I recognize His grace, how can I not pray? If I recognize His grace, how can I not thank Him in all circumstances? If I pray without ceasing, how could I not always rejoice? See, one continually unlocks the door to the next. They go hand in hand, yet they sit alone as well. See, you want to rejoice always? Pray without ceasing. Thank him in all things. You want to thank him in all things? Pray without ceasing and rejoice always. You want to pray without ceasing? Easy. Rejoice always and thank him in all circumstances. See, thankfulness is to receive grace and to extend grace. See, I'm recognizing the gift of Jesus in others. So giving grace to one another, what does that mean? What it means is seeing one another as new creations in Christ. Recognizing the grace we received at salvation is working as a change agent in our lives. That's Philippians 1.6. See, there's this connection that most of us don't see, but it's there between thankfulness and grace. And when we refuse to be thankful in an area, what we're really doing is blocking the flow of God's grace to others. See, we're blocking the flow of grace in that area to someone else. See, if I'm unwilling to, have a, a, to extend gratitude to someone, really what I'm doing is I'm not extending grace. Let me say it this way. If I get upset with someone, I decide I'm going to pull back my, my grace to them. I'm going to pull back my love. I'm going to change the way I treat them. What, really what you're doing is you're pulling back the grace you once extended to them. And it's like a river. Say they're the river. I'm the tributary that feeds the river. What I'm doing is I'm cutting off that supply. And really I'm just deciding not to extend grace to someone else. See, I'm cutting off the fresh flow of water. See, but God doesn't want any area of our lives to be blocked. His desire is that his abundant grace flows through us and extends to others. And having a thankful heart always allows the grace to flow freely. Here's what the Bible says about grace towards others. Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13 says this, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. See, that word there where it uses the word forgiving, it's the same word that Scripture uses, giving thanks. It's the same thing. See, extending grace to show favor, to forgive one another, is to extend grace. And the Bible says what? Freely you have received, now freely give. So we should freely honor others in our lives and to give thanks to God. See, Timothy warned in, in the people in 2 Timothy 3, 2, it says this, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. See, the Bible always proves itself correct. See, it may take science a little while to catch up to what the Bible already said, but eventually, science might prove all that God has said. This is the part that I find so interesting. 
I did some uh, research on gratitude and what researchers have found, and this is, this is important, listen to this. Research shows that most people complain once a minute during a typical conversation. The, it averages about 15 to 30 complaints a day, whatever spectrum you're on, okay? You just judge yourself. Some days I'm on the high end, probably blow past 30. Some days I might be near 30, I don't know. But people complain about once a minute. It becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle. See, complaining is tempting because it feels good. But like many other things that are enjoyable, like maybe, for instance, eating a pound of bacon for breakfast, it's not exactly good for you. So check this out. Your brain loves efficiency. And it doesn't like to work any harder than it has to. I bear witness to that. Who wants to work harder? Work smarter, not harder. (laughs) So your brain wants to work efficiently, and it doesn't like to work any harder than it has to. So when you repeat a behavior, such as complaining, your neurons branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. See, that's why it makes it so much easier to repeat that behavior in the future. So easy, in fact, it happens without you even realizing it's happening. But you can't blame your brain. Who wants to build a temporary bridge every time you need to cross a river? See, it makes a lot more sense to construct a permanent bridge. So your brain fires the neurons, they, they grow together closely, and the connections between them become more permanent. Scientists describe this as neurons that fire together, wire together. I mean, we ought to be firing together and wiring together in the Lord. That's what revival is. Revival is firing together, and we're wired together. Amen? So, neurons that fire together, wire together. See, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it's easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's happening around you. It doesn't matter. Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. I can remember when I first moved here. I became quick friends with Cami, and we hung out a lot because she was very active. And so she was always like, hey, let's go do this. Let's go do that. So I was, for a season, I was like, yes, let's go do that. Let's go do that. And then I got older and I got tired. So I started saying no. So she first was like, let's go. You know, so we hung out a lot together. And one day uh, we were somewhere and I was walking. And she turned around and she goes, do you realize how much you complain? And I went, oh. And actually I didn't. Now, some of that, Cammie just doesn't like to hear anything negative. But the truth is, I complained a lot. So I, it took me to shift in my mind to stop talking the way I was doing. Because if it was perceived as complaining, I wanted to change the way I sounded. Research suggests that the brain reacts way more strongly to negative emotions than it does positive. It's what they call negativity bias. But you are able to rewire your brain. And all it takes is gratitude and kindness. But you must practice it. See, negativity comes easy. It's almost like we're wired for that. But the Lord says, give thanks continually in all things because it's good for us. So we have to practice gratitude. You can't just have, you can't be thankful one day and then out of the seven other days you're miserable and complaining. The week undoes the one day of pretending that you're thankful. Because really you're just pretending. 
The article that I was reading offers two things to do when you feel the need to complain. When you feel the need to complain, here's what you do. One, you cultivate an attitude of gratitude. That is, when you feel like complaining, this is an article, this isn't me. When you feel like complaining, shift your attention to something that you are grateful for. Taking time to contemplate what you're grateful for isn't merely the right thing to do. It reduces the stress hormone cortisol by 23%. If you're stressed, check what you're complaining about. The second thing you can do, and only when you have something that is truly worth complaining about, they suggest, is to engage in a solution-oriented complaining. Psalms 136.1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. See, here we have two reasons to be thankful. God's constant goodness and His steadfast love. Thankfulness is an act of worship, and thankfulness leads to action. An attitude of gratitude and an attitude of thankfulness allows us to go beyond ourselves and see others. See, thankfulness steers us away from selfishness. I can't help but think about the story of the ten lepers in Luke 17. I'm just going to paraphrase it, but Jesus is on his journey to Jerusalem, and on his way, he enters a village, and there are ten lepers that somehow know it's Jesus, and they cry out. And the Bible says, in a loud voice, they cried out, have mercy on us. And Jesus replies, go show yourself to the priest. And on their way, they were healed. And one, one, when he realized he was healed, came back, throwing himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. I want to be the one that runs back to Jesus every time he does something for me. God has done so much for me. I'm embarrassed to say that I don't live a life of thankfulness to him and gratitude when all he has done, when he pulls you out of the miry clay, when he comes to you and rescues you in your darkest hour, and we yet live our lives as if he did nothing. And what we need to do is be the one that runs back to him and says, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you that you rescued me, God. Someone in this place just needs to be the one that runs back to the feet of Jesus and declares, I am grateful that you have saved me. I am grateful that your mercy washes over me. I am thankful for the blood that covers me. Someone needs to just remind themselves to run back to his feet and thank him for the grace that was shed for you and I. One, one out of ten returned to him. One had a heart of gratitude. One thanked him. Luke, when he was retelling this, specifically says, and the one that returned was a Samaritan. Samaritans to the Jewish people were seen as unworthy. They were trash. They were not to be seen with. But this unworthy Samaritan recognizes the grace that Jesus has shown him and can't help himself but not go back to him and give him thanks. See, this is a beautiful picture of God reaching out to us 
and to the Gentiles, but it's also a warning to us today. Don't let the outsider give glory to God when you're, you're his child and you don't utter the words that you are gracious and you're, you're, you're thankful for all that he has done. It's a warning to us believers. Don't let outsiders acknowledge him before we do. See, we are called to give him thanks in all things. In all things. Not just the day we come together and eat some turkey. Not just the day when we come together to to exchange gifts. Each and every day, minute by minute, moment by moment, we are to at least acknowledge His presence, His grace, and His favor in our lives. And when we do, everything changes around you. Are we thankful for what He has done? Are we? It's a question. Are you thankful? For all that God has done. Why do we focus on the things he hasn't done? Why do we focus on the things where it went wrong? Why don't we just change our perspective and thank him for the things that has gone right? For the things he has done. And maybe you're today, maybe you think he hasn't done anything. No, you are saved. You are here this morning. You are breathing. You are walking. He has filled your lungs with his breath. And I say that's a good starting place. Because if you're on your way to heaven, that's the only thing that matters. But he wants to live an abundant life on the inside of you today. And if we just open our mouths and declare he is righteous he is holy he is worthy if our mouths open up and we praise him and we declare he is goodness i'm telling you the hell that cannot prevail against you the gates of heaven will fly open and you will see breakthrough in your lives if you'll start declaring he is good but yet we want to declare what is bad it's habit but we need to break that habit see If we're truly thankful, then our lives should exemplify that. Our behavior should model that. And our speech should resound that. Did you hear me? Our lives should exemplify it. Our behavior should model it. And our speech should resound it. I'm going to say it again. Our lives should exemplify that. Our behavior should model that. Our speech should resound that. See, sometimes we just need a reminder. Be thankful. Colossians 3.15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. See, it's easy to get caught up in the busyness of life. We all have responsibilities, deadlines. We all go through difficult times and seasons. But yet, if we can choose in those moments to be thankful, we will always see the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. Even when things aren't going well, when something happens that wasn't in our plan, or I just don't feel like it, when we choose to remain thankful, we unlock the flow of grace in our lives, and unto others. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen? Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we just choose to put on a garment of praise. We choose to thank you in all things, God. 
We don't thank you for the, the circumstances, but we thank you you are walking with us. Your, your word says you will never leave us nor forsake us. So, Lord, I don't know what people are going through in this room. I don't know what, what they need to, to be thankful for, God, but you do and they do. So, Lord, I thank you that you move upon our hearts, that you shift our attitude. God, we choose to put on the attitude of gratitude and to be thankful for everything you have done, you are doing, and will do. Lord, we choose to be thankful in all seasons and in all things. We will rejoice always, God. We will open our mouths even when we don't feel like it, and we will declare you are worthy of our praise. Lord, we will pray continually. Our lives will be a lifestyle of prayer, and then we will give you thanks in all circumstances. Lord, that's your will for us, God, and we want to live according to your way, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that a heart of thankfulness unlocks the things around us, God, and that we will see every situation, every circumstance rightly from your point of view, God. We want to see from your advantage point, God. Lord, we bless you. We love you. And God, we thank you. That we'll be a people that are thankful. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.